Hello everyone, my name is Freedom Warrior and welcome back to the Eagle Eye Tribune podcast. It feels good to be back in school after a two and a half week Christmas break and I honestly feel a different kind of energy around the school, but it's not in a bad way. Like I can feel that everyone feels pretty good to be back and I feel a new kind of want or tenacity in wanting to do more stories and to do all of my work as soon as it's assigned. But to be honest with you, I don't know how long this energy will last, hopefully. Hopefully it's a pretty long time, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> so recently, one of our teachers has retired. Art teacher, Mr. David Hendricks, who has been teaching for two, 22 and a half years, retired on January 6th. He was known by everyone around school as a really cool and chill teacher. When I had him in 10th grade uh, during quarantine, we would just talk about classic rock bands that we liked, and we connected a lot through that. So I feel like he connected with a lot of students through different things, and that's pretty cool because during quarantine, everyone was quiet. And just being able to have a teacher that would talk to you about things that about things that you really knew about. Not necessarily like passionate about, but you knew some things about it. And I don't know, it just gave everybody a sense of relief that everything will be okay. So I interviewed Mr. Hendricks on his retirement and how his career went, went as a teacher. So I asked Mr. Hendricks the question, what made you want to teach art? Um, I think it was about third grade. Um, I would do my art projects in classes and other kids would have me help them do their artwork. And I thought, "Mm, maybe I can do this someday. So I think about 10 years old, I sort of decided I wanted to be an art teacher. Over the years, we have heard why teachers like teaching either at elementary, middle, and high school. So... I wondered why Mr. Hendricks decided to teach high school students. Um, I was told that, um, you know, when you're in, college, you're in college, you talk with other people that are teachers or you talk with people that are, want to become teachers, and they said, stay away from the middle school. <laughs> and they said it was pretty bad. And I just figured for me, it would be more comfortable to teach high school mm-hmm. because I talk to you guys like adults, Yeah. you know. We all have goals in our life, whether it's a goal that can be accomplished within the next hour or the next 10 years. But working as an art teacher for 22 and a half years, I asked Mr. Hendricks what his goal at the start of his career was. Just to share knowledge, just to share things that I learned. I mean, it's kind of like things you learn in art are like a toolbox. You have a little tool, this you learned, you learned that tool, you know. And so it was just basically I really enjoyed art, I enjoyed making art, and to share some of the things that I knew yeah. was the reason why I thought it'd be a good job. Over those 22 and a half years, there were some challenging tasks that had to be overcome. I asked Mr. Hendricks, what was the most challenging thing during your career? Challenging thing, um, remembering everybody's name, that's a tough one, and I'm pretty good at it. And one of the things I'm looking forward to in retirement is not having to memorize 160 names. I also asked what his fondest memories were during his career. You know, they're happening actually right now because a lot of people are coming by that I don't necessarily see that often, but they're coming up and giving me hugs and telling me, oh, we're going to miss you. And students have been doing that. It's been an emotional roller coaster this week as far as that, you know. I've had some teachers that are crying and things like that and kind of I get a lump in my throat you know so that's been the most rewarding is the fact that I'll be somewhat remembered I hope you know
And finally, I asked him if he had anything else he would like to add. It's just been a pleasure to work here. And uh, it was really strange when I got this job. Um, it was back in, like I said, 1999. They handed me the keys to my room and they said, there you go. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What am I supposed to do? You know, I mean, I knew it was art, but I was like, don't you guys have a curriculum? I, I kind of assumed that there would be like certain things you need to cover. And luckily I started out with another guy who just finished art college too. And we just made up the curriculum as we went along. And I really appreciate that about the job is that we've had the freedom to kind of do whatever we want to do as far as we've tried things through the years that didn't work. And we had things that we tried and that's pretty good. I'll keep that. That didn't work. So I'm gonna throw that away. Yeah. So that was really cool was being just super creative with the curriculum. We want to say thank you, Mr. Hendricks, for sticking around so long. And thank you for the memories we will remember for years to come. Um, it was nice having you as my teacher. Thank you very much for talking to me about classic rock bands. I've never, ever thought I would talk to a teacher about bands and, and music and really connect with that. So thank you. So I'm a physician. Uh, I practice internal medicine and I have a specialty in infectious diseases. I finished my fellowship in 1994. So I've been doing infectious diseases for many years now. And I'm sure that you're aware of the variants that are branching off from COVID-19. And I want you to know, like, because the Delta Cron is, is recently discovered, it's new. Um, but however, some are saying that the Delta Cron isn't real and is possibly a lab mistake, while others beg to differ. And I want to know, do you have any information about Delta Cron? And, and it's just from what you know. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. The, the original virus uh, was, uh, you know, genetically described and published, and it had a, a signature genetic uh, feature that was uh, the hallmark of the virus. Uh, as time went by, the virus started to mutate, and those mutations were tracked, and they were changed, um, you know, uh, based on many factors, especially that the virus continues to replicate. So as things started to develop, uh, signature mutations became uh, variants with a name. And they started with the Greek alphabet, so they got it with alpha, and then they got it uh, the beta and the gamma and the delta. And what uh, happens is that every time that there is a new mutation that is different from the ones that have, uh, you know, distinguished the other variants, uh, someone gives it another another name. If you have mutations that are common for more than one variant, uh, then you may say there is a mixed virus. And the Delta Cron, technically by the definition, is the presence of a variant already for Delta, but also has mutations that are seen with the Omicron. Now, any, any finding in the science field needs to be confirmed, needs to be validated by other people and by the official nomenclature scientific body. 
So once someone discovers a change, what they do is they go and they uh, confirm and validate that finding. So right now, all we know is that it's been identified, but it still needs to be validated as real. So Fluorona does not exist. Actually, it's just a, it's a word, it's a word game. Fluorona is the situation where you will have in a single person at the same time, two infections. One is with flu, the influenza virus, and the other one will be with coronavirus. So what, you know, what we feared uh, back in 2020 was that uh, with the winter season, the flu season will actually make people infected with the two virus at the same time. And uh, we hopefully uh, will not see that happening because it did not happen in 2020. But once in a while, you'll see a couple of patients where the two viruses will be present at the same time. Now, how do you know that? Well, we have ways to test for both. And if the test is positive for both, we say this, uh, you know, the patient has the two conditions. It is very difficult to know if, if this is going to happen very often or not. And the main reason is because the way that uh, coronavirus is uh, transmitted is faster and better than influenza. So you will have to be infected with coronavirus and then be persistently infected and exposed to influenza to get the boat at the same time. So most people, when they start getting sick, now that we have learned, we isolate ourselves. We kind of don't start to interact with other people. So whether the fluorona combination of virus is going to be a common situation, I believe that is less likely because of this uh, difference between one virus being transmitted one way at a faster speed and the other virus being transmitted the same way through droplets but a slower speed. So that's what Florida is all about. It's just a combination of two names. Well, because in infectious diseases are very interesting field. We have uh, diseases that are transmitted in different ways, but the worst ones are the ones who have a respiratory transmission. So people need to be very aware that the risk of transmission of infection like this one is, is at the highest ever because we have a very high population in the world. And because our ability to get from one place to another has increased also significantly. So now we have a combination of viruses that we've never been exposed a hundred years ago, or even more less than that. And now we're exposed next day. So that's a big problem with infectious diseases in this day and age. The other one is really the resistance of uh, people to get uh, vaccinated because the only way that you have right now to protect yourself in a fairly reasonable way is by vaccination. So if you don't have that advantage, you are putting the two events at a very, very high chance of uh, spreading and getting another pandemic. Hopefully, you know, you will not be as bad as this one uh, at risk. So, so we need to understand that viruses do not understand the politics. They don't know about, you know, what you think or what you believe viruses are going to infect people, what, and that's my main concern with this situation. Well, uh, my prediction is that we eventually will 
and get into a steady state. That is, people, everyone at some point is going to become exposed and or immune to the virus via vaccine. So, so once we have everyone immune to some degree, then again, the virus is not going to get stronger provided that we don't have people who have never been infected. And the virus is going to get a little weaker, but it's going to become a flu, a, a common cold virus. That is the ones that, you know, everyone gets once in a while, that you get sick for two or three days, that you have the runny nose, a little bit of sore throat, a little bit of cough, and then you are done. That's going to be the kind of virus that uh, we will be seeing in the future. But um, as we have learned, when you have viruses and exposures and mixture of viruses uh, from either uh, other people or from uh, like reservoirs, like animals, that's when the risk is going to be very high. So we're going to have to be very careful as a, as a medical community to track those viruses. And instead of saying, oh, we're not going to have another one until 100 years from now, I think the chances that these viruses uh, and new viruses are going to be creating the risk of a pandemic is going to increase. So we'll go into steady state. We're going to be okay. But then we need to wait for the next one because the next one is not going to wait 100 years. It's going to be a lot shorter than that. Well, uh, I think that it's important that people have uh, at this point in the uh, life of uh, our our world um, realize the importance of infectious diseases as a major area of knowledge for the general population and interest for the medical community. We need to understand that we are very vulnerable as individuals when we have these situations uh, where we have uh, a complication of uh, many factors, including resources, lack of a vaccine, high risk populations. We have, uh, you know, uh, and sometimes funding uh, limitations for testing. And uh, I think that is important that uh, when uh, something like a vaccine that came with a very, very um, quick turnout, uh, turnaround time for developing it, even though it is important that we are careful and cautious uh, to know and make sure that we get what we need, but also that we, in these situations of crisis, we embrace uh, vaccination and any preventive measures because being on a lockdown is a lot more expensive and a lot more complicated than getting a vaccine. So I don't think that vaccine is the perfect solution if that's what people are looking for. But I don't think that is a bad solution. I don't think it's a bad option. I think vaccines are very good option, provided that you have a limited amount of options and resources. And things will change. These vaccines eventually will be shown that they are as effective as the old vaccines and that we're going to use them a lot more than we used to use them uh, ever before. And I'm very optimistic that the future will um, will be better now that we have learned this lesson. Hi, I'm Destiny Fuentes and I'm with Rebecca Cordova, LBN, Acanotillo High School. And I'm going to ask her a few questions and she's going to answer them. <laughs> what I'm going to ask her first is how COVID affected her last year. So how did COVID affect you last year? COVID was a surprise for many of us and it was something that was unbelievable that was happening in all the world. I 
especially felt a little bit helpless at the moment when they told us that the school was shutting down. Mm-hmm. How did you react when they told you, like, oh, like, there's not going to be school anymore, like, it's all going to be online? How did you react? So I was, when they told us that we were going to do online school, it was, like I said, unbelievable. I didn't think it was going to be doable. I started doing online online work and I started um, taking care of the COVID cases from the employees and staff members and the employees or staff members and um, from students and helping out nurses fill out reports. Do you like being here more in person or did you like it more online? Like what was easier for you? I think it was it's easier for us to come to school because we're able to do our eight hours and at home I, I feel like I was doing more work than being face to face. And at home I was working even after like my eight hours were done. So it was more stressful online for yes, you? Yes, it was oh, more okay. stressful, and especially it was stressful because I had my children and I have my family and mm-hmm. my kids doing online school. And we had our moments when we were all at home and we were very stressed and we had our moments of where we couldn't, we had to learn how to communicate with each other. That way we didn't get so much stress in the, at home and, and we would um, get mad and and we would get mad at each other or yeah. like have escalating behaviors that we didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this interview. Thank, thank you. you. You're mm-hmm. welcome. Have a nice day. Hello, it's me, Destiny Fuentes, and today I'm interviewing Ms. Clapsaddle. So, Ms. Clapsaddle, what are you looking forward in 2022? What am I looking forward to in 2022? Well, I'm looking forward to on a personal level, not being sick. I um, In July, I tore my meniscus, and so I wasn't able to start school um, with everybody. I was hurt. I, I was at home for the first week of when classes started. Wasn't here with my teachers. And got a shot, cortisone shot, was able to come back, but still no improvement in my knees, so I ended up having surgery in October. It slowed me down a lot. Um, and then in December, I got COVID. And so I was gone like the whole month of December. I worked three whopping days of school. And actually the 16th and the 17th, I only worked half days because I was exhausted. And so it's been a rough six months. So in 2022, I'm really looking forward to um, being here, being able to see you guys every day, interact mm-hmm. with you every day. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, graduation. Um, I'm looking forward to continuing to get to know students and build that relationship because that whole year and a half, well, that year was hard. Like, you know, that 2020 year, we, uh, the good thing was we went all the way to March. So we really got to know each other. And, but then, you know, 2020 into 2021, it, it was hard. Like I have two freshman classes, really, honestly, and but they're doing great. And so I'm really looking forward to that and the continued success that our students are having and us learning to live in this world 
of COVID now because the reality is it's not going away. It's a matter of us just learning how to adapt and to be able to live and to be able to be together and interact with each other and and live through uh, what it's going to bring for us. Okay. Well, thank you so much. <clears throat> I just wanted to ask you that question. And, yeah, thank you. What do you... What do you expect from the players in 2022? What do we expect of the players in 2022? Yes. Uh, one, be able to perform at their best, and two, to stay healthy. Do you I think in 2021 or 2022 will be the best year for players? No. Okay, just that there's right now with COVID going on the way it is, is we literally don't know from week to week what games we're playing. Does a new year in 2022 give a new hopeful overview of the season? Does a new year in 2022 give a new hopeful overview of the season? A little bit. And a lot of it is because of uh, the way they've got the uh, isolation and quarantine set up with the five days instead of being a 10 or a 14 day. So we're able to get the athletes back a little bit quicker if they do come down with COVID. So hopefully that gives a little bit more sense of normalcy, so to speak. If that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. Do you think uh, without like COVID, like ruining everything, do you think it would make you guys more flexible in your schedules for sports? Well, the before COVID, we didn't have to worry about flexibility of schedules. We knew exactly what sport was played in what day. And if for some odd reason someone said, hey, we can't play that day, okay, no game. Now with COVID, instead of, say, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday being game days, well, now it's Monday through Saturday. Any day can be a game day. And we may not know till Monday morning that we have a game Monday night. Oh, that's, that kind of sucks. Yeah, big time. <laughs> and you don't have to put that in there. <laughs> Do you expect any influence or decrease of any injuries reflecting in 2022? Uh, Injury-wise, no. Um, athletes are still playing, um, and they're still getting hurt. Uh, yeah, we could, I could probably pull up our system we're going to do to keep injuries on, and it's going to be pretty close to the same. Well, good in a way. Well, you know, it's good job security for us, but unfortunately, if we have athletes out because of COVID and somebody gets hurt, well, now we're down two, three, four athletes per team. Thank you. So it's it's a mess right now. It's it's still a mess right now. What do you expect from the players in twenty twenty two? Yes.
Um, I expect us to come back and have another successful year. I think a lot of it's going to depend on off season and um, staying healthy. Do you think in 2021 or 2022 will be the best year for the players? For the players, no. I, I think I think we've got a chance to be better next year. I think our senior class was really good, and I think um, we've got a lot of good young players coming back, and I think we have a chance to be better. When you are in the meet, what do you expect the team to be as in anything change in 2022? When do you, when you are in a game, what do you expect the team to do? We're talking this year or next year? Like this year. This, well, this year we're done. I mean, we, we, we played and we expect them to compete and be prepared and to play hard. Uh, do you think you improved a lot since like you first became a coach like compared to now? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it for 30, 31 and a half years, so I, when I was young, I started at 22, and, you know, I'm older now, and I've done it, and I've coached, she's probably 400 games, so I, between from the time I started until till now, so hopefully I got better. Do you have any, like, New Year's resolutions for sports that you're in charge of? <laughs> well, I'm in charge of all the sports, so it's been a COVID number one thing. <laughs> Um, do you have, like, a goal for this year? You're talking this or, like, for all the sports? Yeah, we like them all to make the playoffs. Um, you want to be competitive, keep good grades. Um, hopefully nobody gets wiped out by COVID. You know, we've had to cancel some things during the year because of COVID. Um, and keep our kids healthy. Okay. I think that's all. Okay, thank you. All right, no problem. No problem.